Hello everybody, my name is Akan Khan and I'm glad to welcome you to another episode of Time Out with Akan Khan. Today we're doing the concluding episode of our three-point series on prayer. Last time we discussed the object of prayer. The first one we discussed the definitions of prayer and we had to look through so many scriptures. One of the things we try to see in retrospect, particularly in the last episode, was that God is the object of prayer and if we have a keen understanding of god it will help us in our attitude towards prayer what we say in prayer and generally the result to prayer and um, one of the things i remember saying was that the most important thing is not what you say or how long you pray but to whom you pray and Understanding to whom you pray makes all the difference in effective and godly prayer life. Today I want us to look at certain contemporary issues in prayer. Quite frankly, um, it's going to be light. It's not going to have a lot of exposition as did the first two episodes. And so I will be talking a little bit on the issues regarding prayer, particularly in our day and in our age. It's going to be instructive that some of the things that we're talking about were not the issue some 100 years ago or even 50 years ago or may not even be an issue in the future. But presently, it seems to be one of the things that many of us in the body of Christ, particularly in this part of the world, in Africa, are having to deal with. And I could take it in just five sub-points. It's going to be my thoughts. What are the challenges I see? in how we practice Christian prayer. Before I set out on anything, I want to say that our theology, our understanding of a scripture, our understanding of God, literally affects our prayers. Our theology affects our prayers. So if you get your theology right, you are most likely get your prayer right. So if we are not praying right, if we are not approaching God the right way, if we are not practicing the kind of prayer lifestyle that is approved in Scripture, it's most likely, well, to a large extent, due to bad theology or bad understanding of God and His Word. So, it's very important. The first thing I want to talk about, and there are five of them, is addressing God in prayer. I've said some of these things in the course of the first two episodes, but I'd like to say just briefly, that when we address God in prayer, we are actually addressing the Father. Why I like to say this specifically is because so many people have a lot of problem with the teaching that prayers is to the Father and not to the Holy Spirit. It's not because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not one, but the Holy Spirit instructs in Scripture that we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That is the pattern of Christian New Testament prayer. There is no way around that. And um, some people sometimes feel like we that believe this, that we, uh, we diminish the true value or the reverence of the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit is not your object of prayer. The person of the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. He is not the object of prayer. He helps us to focus 
on the Father in faith in the name of Jesus. I believe so strongly, as simple as that sounds, so many of us in contemporary Christian circles mess it up. We spend more time talking to the Holy Spirit, as it were, than even talking to the Father. We believe that that is how God intends us to have a close relationship with Him. We need to understand that, like I said in the first episode, when the Bible teaches the communion of the Holy Spirit, it was not teaching that we literally focus on the Holy Spirit as the object of prayer or the Christian's communication with the divine. That is not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is clear. If you have to commune with God, if you have to commune with the divine, you commune with the Father. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand this. The Holy Spirit helps us in this communion so that we say the right things, inspires us so that we will come before the Father with the kind of reverence that He demands or that He deserves. So addressing God in prayer is very important. There's so much lack of reverence in our day. The way people talk to God, sometimes you'll be so shocked. In fact, sometimes some people actually go ahead to command God. I mean, give God instructions. It's downright ridiculous. Let us understand that when we come to God, when we come to the Father, we should approach Him with reverence. And we said all that in the first two episodes. i just like to recap on that. It's very important. The second issue in contemporary prayer is this prevalent practice of prophetic prayer. Now, a lot of these things I'm going to be saying, you find out that they were never a practice in the body of Christ up until some years ago. We have the entire church history to show that these things were not there. They were not practiced. They were not taught. It's not even in the Bible. But even the early church did not pray this way. They didn't understand prayer in such light. And one of the most confusing part of prayer we hear and see in our day is what we call prophetic prayer. The word some people know as prophetic prayer. It is a kind of prayer where they believe they speak things to pass. And so whatever they say in that prayer is as though God speaking through them to bring things to pass. Something that we don't have scripture for. And quite frankly, there's no pattern in scriptures to come before God that way. And so you hear a lot of phrases like, I declare and decree. It's not in your Bible. The Bible says, you shall declare a thing and it shall be established unto you. It's not talking about prayer. And those scriptures that people say declare and decree, those scriptures will not refer to prayer. In prayer, you talk to God. You come to the one that is beyond, over, and above. And so you don't come declaring and decreeing to God. That is not prayer. And so prophetic prayer, in whatever guys, however feeling of the supernatural or power it seems to possess, it's not a biblical prayer. We don't have that in scripture. We are not taught to pray that way in scripture. We are not taught to speak declaratively to God. It's downright dumb. It doesn't make sense. When you come, you come to appeal. You come to ask. At best, in your asking, you relate the scriptures and it's not in a bid to tell him as though he doesn't know that that is what the scripture says but in a bid for him to look upon our prayers and supplication as a means of deference to his word and to his will and so when we pray prophetic prayers 
that has no place in scripture. I know that sometimes it's difficult for a lot of Christians to accept that, but I think it's high time we begin to look at scripture and say that prophetic prayer, in whatever intention it is being used, or however seemingly powerful it sounds, it's not godly Christian prayer. The third thing I want to talk about briefly is also a lack of a particular aspect of prayer I see in today's church, and that is the prayer of forgiveness. I know it sounds simple, but the prayer of forgiveness, the prayer of repentance is one prayer that slowly has been lacking in our church today, particularly when the saints gather in church during the worship service or even the midweek service. I remember several years back, it was a normal thing that when we come before God in prayer, after thanking God for the gifts of life and the privilege to gather, the next thing we'll talk about in prayer would be asking for forgiveness. That is all gone. You can literally stay in church for one entire year and you do not hear a prayer point for forgiveness or for repentance. The only people that tend to receive such points are those that are being asked to be saved or to become Christians. But the Christians themselves don't ever get to be asked to pray for forgiveness. So we found that slowly and surely, particularly in the charismatic churches, the Pentecostal churches, we do not even pray for forgiveness again. I mean, at the point I asked a friend, which year last did you pray for forgiveness in church? He couldn't even remember. Somewhere along the line, we have misplaced the reality of who we are before God in prayer. Every man that walked in God, I said that in the second episode of this series, understood that they were flesh, that they were mortal, and they had propensities for sin. Even Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus was particular in praying to the Father for forgiveness. That is one prayer that has gone out of, in fact, is literally extinct. The Lord have mercy on us. So what happened to the church? Why don't we pray for forgiveness any longer? I think we need to repent. We need to come back to learning to pray and asking for forgiveness. Another thing I assume is a theology that people teach that when you sin, you ask God for forgiveness immediately you sin. And you walk away. Well, there's some credit in it. When you sin, yes, you ask God for forgiveness. But in the place of prayer, when we come to God, either in corporate prayer or in our private prayer life, we must understand that sin is not only what we are conscious of. The sins of omission, that is the sins that we do not do with our conscious mind intentionally and a sins of commission that we do and we are very conscious of it an act of defiance or disobedience either way it goes at every material point in time i think the christian should be conscious of the fact that he needs forgiveness now there's a theology that was going all around in the church at the point where they say do not be sin conscious be righteousness conscious 
and that theology slowly desensitized the church towards the reality of their sin problem. And so even when they sin, they do not understand that the sin demands asking God for forgiveness, because that's what scripture teaches, and actually repenting. Instead, they like to quote how righteous they are before God in spite of their sins. And slowly and surely you find that these things creep into the church and it desensitizes us from what God's word teaches. So I believe the prayer of forgiveness and the repentance as taught by Jesus and as taught by the apostles in the early church right through scriptures should be part and parcel of our corporate and private prayer life. God will help us to bring it back. The fourth thing I'm going to talk about is what I call the problem of pragmatism. You know, the simple question, did it work? And so, if whatever I prayed, if it seems like God answered that prayer, however I prayed it, and it worked, means that having to learn all these things we are being taught on prayer, the precise way to pray, what scripture teaches about prayer, is not that necessary. In other words, trying to argue over stuff that is not that important or that necessary. And so, it's a problem of pragmatism. And what does pragmatism mean? It means this works. It's a theory that believes that the ends justifies the means. In other words, if it works, then it's right. But we know that's not true. The fact that we do not pray as we ought to pray, as scripture teaches in Romans and chapter 8, and we are flawed often at times in the way we approach our prayer life, and that God, in spite of these things, still has mercy on us and hearkens to our petitions and seemingly answers our prayers, does not validate our lack of compliance to his will and to his word regarding true or godly Christian prayer. And so, the God's mercies, God's faithfulness is without question. However, the Bible is clear about certain things and it matters to God that we take it serious. This is what I believe. If God, the Holy Spirit, took time to pen it in Scripture, then it is important. Then I do not have the liberty to choose however I want to do it if the Bible says to do it in this way. And so I believe that a lot of times, one of the problems with the way we approach Christian prayer is our pragmatism and the fact that if it worked, it is real. Case in point, a lot of people, particularly the believe in their in the deliverance ministry, they say things like fire, fall, fire, burn, and it does seem like God solved that problem, even all what they were screaming was fire, fire, fire. <laughs> now, the fact that God had mercy and solved the problem does not mean that screaming fire was the way to pray. Screaming fire is not the way to pray. Cover somebody in the blood of Jesus. Wow, there's so many things we say, so many things we pray, but sometimes we do not even understand the things of which we pray or the things that we talk about in prayer. God is merciful. However, one of the pitfalls in prayer is pragmatism. I can say anything I want. If it works, then it must be right. No, no, no. God's word shows us what is right. 
in the book of Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's important that we rightly divide. And that will presuppose that such a thing as wrongly dividing the word of truth. And so it's important to understand that the fact that it worked, praying wrongly worked, is not an endorsement of that kind of prayer. I believe God wants us to come to a place where we will understand and appreciate what his word teaches about true Christian prayer. Imbibe it and we'll see how we will grow spiritually and we will understand and appreciate the true value of the communion with the Father and with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus' Son. Praise the Lord. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about is what I refer to as the tongue question. The tongue question in prayer, particularly in this part of the world, there is a lot of emphasis on praying in tongues. And this causes a lot of concern particularly for me because when I look through scriptures, it is clear from scripture that not every Christian speaks with tongues. And so it is clear that you don't need to speak with tongues to be spirit-filled. I know so many people who are in the ministry who love God, who, and I can attest, are spirit-filled and they do not speak with tongues. If tongues is an inspired language by the Holy Spirit that has an interpretation, because when we see the teaching of tongues in the New Testament, we do not see tongues as a language that is not inexistent. Yes, the Bible refers to it as unknown tongue. And unknown is because the person who is speaking it does not know. But does not mean in itself that it is a language that does not exist. When the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, where Paul was talking that speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love. I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. When people read that verse, we believe that there is such a thing as a tongue of men or the tongue of angels. That's not what that scripture was saying. Paul was using hyperbolism to teach that even if we have these things and do not have love, it is of no value. And that's why he says, even if I have a gift of prophecy, I can fathom more mysteries and all knowledge. Definitely nobody has a gift of prophecy that can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. It's clear nobody has that. But it's a form of hyperbolism such that he can present the point of the need for the Christian to walk in love. Right on the top of scriptures, it is clear that tongue is a language not known to the person that's speaking, but definitely it's a language and has always been by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. However, the contemporary use of tongues is very querisome. First and foremost, I find that a lot of people start to speak with tongues simply because they said you hear things like whatever comes to your mouth, you say. I don't know where they got that from. It's not the Bible teaching. We teach people to just say whatever it is that comes to their head or to their mouth. We also teach them that they have to speak it out. All those things, all those gymnastics. Yeah, that's how when I was early in the faith, the things that we did in order to get us to speak with tongues, those things are not found in scriptures. 
If the Holy Spirit inspires someone to speak with tongues, oh my man, you will know the Holy Spirit and also the Bible says that we should ask and desire the gift of interpretation of tongues. However, I'm very, very convinced in my heart that much of the tongues that we speak in 21st century church is definitely not biblical tongues. Case in point, I find a lot of Christians spend hours in tongues and you find that the sum value of the language they speak is not more than two sentences. And they go on and on in repetition for hours and in their heads they assume they are prayed for their family, they are prayed for the nation, they are prayed for the ministry, they are prayed for souls and all they are just saying is the same things again and again. If that was language then I think we are doing a pretty bad job. However, if we spoke sensibly, in other words logically, with our senses intact, and vocalize our thoughts, our passions, and our desires to God, that will be effective way beyond saying things that we're not sure what it means. And that's all we've always said since the time they told us that was how we are able to pray in tongues. I know this is very controversial for a lot of people, but I wanted to think about it in the light of scriptures. If tongues is a language, and all the tongues we know, that means the word no, because I mean, are you supposed to know it? It's just some few paragraphs of words, however that sounds, and you just keep going on and on and on and on and on. And you think that by saying those words in whatever manner or pattern those words occur, that you are praying in the spirit. Ah, there is a very, very big question. So I call it the tongue question, and which is what I intended to do bring up a lot of questions and i like us to consider these questions biblically and logically not the logic of the flesh but the logic based on scripture and when we begin to understand the place of god's word and be enlightened let us make up our mind to align ourselves to god's word particularly in the aspect of prayer like i said earlier on your theology will affect your prayer Get your theology right. If your theology is right, your prayers will be right. If your theology is wrong, your prayers will be wrong. Are you saying that God will not answer my prayer because my theology is not right? Definitely that's not what I'm saying. We know God is faithful. God is merciful. God is gracious. And if we just come to him in faith and make whatever request, he is there for us. He is kind. He is so good that even the things that we do not ask in prayer, he gives to us. But what moves us is to understand him, to understand his will, his word, and his way. I like to also consider one scripture. When the Bible says the Spirit of God makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Some people use that scripture to teach it as tongues. That is not talking about tongues. The Spirit of God making intercession for the saints with groanings that cannot be uttered. It's not referring to speaking with tongues. First and foremost, even the English itself says groanings that cannot be uttered. If they cannot be uttered and tongues is being uttered, definitely is not talking about tongues. So that scripture has nothing to do with tongues. And so when we read the Bible, let us understand that God loves us to come close to him, to know him more and to live in line with his word and his dictates and instructions. In conclusion, what is prayer? Prayer is a heartfelt communication with God, understanding that God is merciful, faithful and just and he will have mercy on us and he will answer our prayers.
Prayers brings us closer to God. A habit of prayer makes us appreciate God, appreciate His Word, and helps us to become better Christians. I'd like you to look at these five things I've talked about. Addressing God in prayer, the prophetic prayer, prayer of forgiveness, the problem of pragmatism, and the tongue question. Those are the contemporary issues I like us to think about and discuss. It's not a time to fight about it or a time to look for ways to castigate one another about it. If one person doesn't take up the position the other believes is the right way. But for us to consider these in light of scriptures and I will believe that God will give us understanding to the glory of his name. Thank you very much for listening. Once again, I'd like to invite you to download and listen to the previous podcast, particularly in the prayer series, the part one, part two, part three. You can log on to www.nikaulife.podbean.com. You can see all the podcasts there. We are also on iTunes. You can download all the previous episodes on iTunes. Just look for Time Out with Akan Kana on iTunes and we'll be there. Take time, listen to the things I've said, listen to the scriptures I taught in the first two episodes and consider the questions I've raised in this episode and God will grant us mercies and understanding to the glory of his name. Thank you once again and God bless you.